Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leadership Now with me, Dan Pontefract. Today in the house, all the way from Barcelona, Spain, Stelio Versera, who's passionately curious, fond of value creation, and a lean thinker indeed. He's an entrepreneur, a coach, a consultant, and an advisor in different scopes of varying degrees of innovation. Since 1995, he's been supporting organizations in their understanding and navigation of very key evolutionary phases of those organizations. His agile approach of continuous improvement has led him to learn and apply some of the most effective practices for surfing complexity, both on the strategic and on the operational levels. Now, we're going to spend a lot of time over the next two topics here, Stelio. In 2011, he co-founded Cocoon Projects and designed its governance model today known as Liquid O, which is a completely emergent and adaptive organizational framework. Stelio, we go way back. I'm so glad to see you today. Listen, let's talk first about Cocoon Projects and let's then get into Liquid O. So tell me a bit about where the idea for Cocoon Projects came up. And I'll, 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 I'll start with this. Your purpose statement is, well, you know me, I'm a purpose guy. Your purpose statement, I think we could start there. It's as follows. We believe in the regenerative work streams that are aimed at systemically improving the quality of life and the diffusion of a culture of respect, knowledge, experience, and support. I mean, that's poetry to a guy like me, but just start with Cocoon Projects and we'll go into the purpose. Thank you for having me, first and foremost, Dan. Uh, it's a pleasure chatting with you. And, and also, it's been interesting reading all those stuff around me. And I said, I want to meet this guy. Who's this? <laughs> It's nice. So, um, Cocoon, yeah, in the meanwhile, it's become Cocoon Pro, shorter, easier. Yeah. Uh, we, we started Cocoon Projects uh, all in all out of a failure, out of a failure of our previous enterprise, which was uh, mirroring the failure of an entire ethos about business. So, basically, it was the crisis of 2009, 2010, hitting strong uh, everywhere, but especially in Italy, where we had the previous enterprise, mm -hmm. all customers, we had corporations, every kind of customer freezing budgets. We had organized our company as you learn in traditional organization design books. That was way before, you know, organizing uh, books like Lalou's book, like the whole sociocracy, allocracy, and yeah. all the boss less flat. It's, it was before that. Yeah. And so we stopped and said, what the hell is happening here? So how did we were going well? How? Why did we crash it? Of course, the easy answer is because of the crisis, but the deepest answers would be about how you reacted to the crisis, how you were able to adapt to a changing environment. And we were not, simply. As following the non-adaptation of our customers and the whole situation back then. So we stopped and we said, what do we want to do? And our, our parents were saying, now it's time you find a real job. Stop with this. <laughs> bullshit about being an entrepreneur, saving the world, the stuff. It's over, right? No, actually, it's just began. And we were masochists, as a friend uh, once told me. And uh, we wanted to keep going uh, uh, with actually finding a better way, finding a better way and just, just trashing everything that was deemed as obvious in how you should, uh, first of all, um, understand business and then make it actualize that understanding and so we said what do we have well we had worked for years already with the previous enterprise on two main uh, families of concepts one is the one as you mentioned about lean thinking mm -hmm. and the other one is about open collaboration so lean thinking 
all in all is about streamlining the flow of value or the flows of value and trying to remove everything that is a waste muda in lean terms uh, in that stream of value. And so it opens up to the question, what is a waste? Which is a beautiful and, and, and enormous gigantic question. And the other, the other, the other family of things is uh, open collaboration. It's uh, of course famous in open, open software or open hardware or open innovation. It's basically about putting streams of value together and finding up how emergent new streams can can come up from the parts so you you can be more than the sum of the parts but not just as a way of saying but in the in the interaction and so we put those things together and we said okay let's devise a company um let's try we don't we didn't have anything else to lose so let's play and try to make a company in a way that uh, actually embraces fully all in these things and is not uh, you know Cartesian is not relying on linearity, but it's actually made for the beauty and danger of emergence of complexity and variability. And so we created Liquido for that. So we understood that as um, the governance of such a system must have the neuroplasticity needed to, to adapt in real time. And we, we make that the core of the company. So the framework of Liquido is a framework for collective governance we can dive as much as you want into how that's implemented. But the key thing is that that helped us remove a lot of what we deemed waste, like job interviews, like spending time trying to understand upfront if people are good in, in, in the place, mm -hmm. um, budgeting, fixed bud budgeting, uh, predefined planning and control that goes with that. Uh, investors' participation in, in, in decisions, even though they are not uh, invested. Actually, they're not participating into the business. They don't know what you're talking about. It just right. influence your decision because they put the money. All these things, in our view, were a muda, were a waste in the stream of value. And we said, let's devise it in another way. And this is how Liquido was born. We devised it for ourselves. We never sold it, actually. Uh, we helped other companies. But when somebody comes in and says, I would like to adopt that frame, we actually start doubting, doubting that certainty. So why? This is not for everyone. This is really all in. Are you sure? And, and why is that? And how have you come to that idea? Last, and I close it, um, Liquido was devised in 2012. Uh, then it went to the Management Innovation Exchange, uh, Gary Hamill Prize, New York, 2014. Yeah. Then we released the last white paper that we had, we made it in we made in 2016. Since then, we've been working on other things. Say I, what I want to say is, Liquido for us is now is granted. It's like scaffolding for creating value. It's, it's not what we even talk about in Kogun. It's like air. You you need it, but you don't have you don't realize it's there. But and that's the but with the new wave of Web3 uh, that is happening now. So the second wave of, wave of DAOs, it's become evident to us that now Liquido has a new field. There's a new opportunity to help decentralized communities come together for a generative uh, world that is actually starting to pop up and the COVID accelerated that. So who knows what comes. Well, first of all, thank you for your vulnerability taking us back through kind of... Um the the financial crisis of 08, 09, 2010. And what came of that was obviously something 
that is regenerative. Uh, it's in your thinking and your agile thinking and what to give birth to. Stelio is just an amazing feat itself. You didn't turtle, you didn't curl up into a ball and sort of, uh, you know, like give up. You actually almost doubled down on your thinking and said, uh, this, is, this is something that might help other people as well, let alone what you and your team were going through. So tell us a bit then, like, how do you describe Liquid O today as you're kind of um, having conversations with people who are perhaps entrenched, stuck, uh, myopic, and certainly married to a hierarchical, you know, binary way of how organizations traditionally operate. Okay, so the, the whole the whole topic about liquid in the meanwhile expanded into adaptive governance and adaptive organizing. And so there is a lot about there is a, this conversation about hierarchy come pops up a lot. And what I normally say in these kind of things, and then of course it depends on the context of, of the conversation, but what I normally say is that hierarchy is not a problem in itself. Hierarchy is part of natural um, systems. The problem is that you try to design hierarchy and, and then make it a fixed fit of, yeah. of, of, the, of the organization. So the problem is that that hierarchy is pre-designed, is not emergent, is not emerging from the wisdom and needs of the human system at work, but it is pre-designed and then it, it starts to actually constrain the human system. And this is what Taylor did at the beginning of the last century, previous century. I mean, it was by design that they designed out the human factor to make the organization more stable, more predictable, to be able to train people, to be able to guarantee the people, uh, you know, also uh, proper um, uh, certainty at work. You're, uh, you're referring to, of course, Frederick Taylor, the scientific principles of management that yes. uh, has plagued organizations for centuries, it seems. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. Uh, and that also means that it worked. For the, that <laughs> moment in history, it worked. It was what right. mass production needed in spacious and stable markets in which capital and information were in the hands of a few players. Then the world changed with the digital revolution. We're back to very high complexity and dynamics in markets. And so, you know, uh, having an organization designed to be stable might not be the best idea today. It depends on what you want to do, but it's much more important to uh, digest uh, complexity and variability and generate new structure and also new dynamics as you go. Liquido falls into this category, but and, and it starts from the governance. So basically what Liquido does is allowing everyone in an organization and even beyond, we have customers part as part of our of our um, governance to participate into what is the governance. Now, governance is many things. It's about sense-making, it's about resources allocation, and of course, it's about setting their uh, direction, which means making also systemic decisions. So we leave the, uh, as with an agile mindset, we leave the decision as close as possible to the point in which they, are, they have to be applied. So all the not for sure strategic decision, they're not, in the governance, they're on the teams, and then we iterate on that. But then there are decisions like, do we want to try and enter a market? Do we want to, um, I don't know, change our value proposition to some extent or embrace other technologies? These are, these are governance decisions. They are systemic. And everyone can participate in those decisions. There is a Kanban flow of those activities. Sometimes they are decisions. Sometimes governance activities are not decisions. Like you need to perform a research to inform from other things, or you need to whatever optimize something, uh, redesign a process. That's governance as well. People can take part into that process, 
there's a core team which is open, but still it's a core team which gives people responsibility. Uh, that has the, the only difference they have more decisional power in the points of that Kanban flow. So every, everyone can uh, propose a new governance work item, and then the core team will uh, transparently vote it on in or give feedback for why it's a no for that moment, define the priorities, and then approve when the uh, work item is finished. But all the rest is on everyone. And that allows people that don't know what you're talking about, they just enter it to contribute freely. They cannot break anything. There's a team that will give feedback on things and, and it's like help direct the traffic. And that team is open. So you can decide once you have created enough value, you can say, I want to be part of the core team or not. I just want to contribute when I can. Now the core team, uh, just like all the others, gain their decisional power by creating value. And the value creation is, uh, evaluated by the people that work with other people. There's no boss, there's no uh, direct uh, command and control. And actually there is no command and control. And so what happens is that all the people that work on a, whatever governance item, that they, they can change the evaluation, the, the footprint of that item in any moment. So they estimate at the beginning, they can change the estimate until it's done because things change. When it's done, they close it and then they share the value of that work item that they have decided together. And that's dynamic budgeting as well. They share it with uh, what we call a contribution accounting. So basic, basically they ask themselves, we were four people in this work item, 10 people, whatever. What were the percentages of contribution of the different people, including myself? And each person does that. And so on each head, there are the evaluation of all the people, including yourself. They're averaged and that's your contribution. And the whole system sees the difference between what you had self-estimated your contribution and what was the average coming up from the whole team, including your contribution. And amazingly, that difference is pretty much always below 10%. Most of the time it's below 5%, meaning that people know very well how much they've contributed. Yeah. And that is, is not performance. That is helping the others do the work. It's not your performance. You get the feedback, you get the money, you get the credits that um, adds to your decisional power, all in all. So help me understand something here. Um, with Liquido, obviously this is like, it's a, it's it's based on membership, right? There's There's equality, there's equity, there's almost like a, a flatness to it. Can um, can sort of a membership model like Liquido nest inside of a traditional organization? Like, for example, can a business unit or a team employ Liquido when it's part of a multinational company that is in, you know, 15 different countries? Yes, absolutely. We are a traditional company, even though a small one, and we have helped others. There are also communities that adopted Liquido. It's a framework, you can implement it in different ways, but it's not against anything in business because it's not a model in the way that you have to copy it, or it's like, it's it's more a framework, it has four, four pillars. The way you implement each pillar is very contextual. Mm. So for example, one of the key topics is uh, how do you, and if you want to connect Liquido and the credits that I was talking about with the compensation of people, and that's a big, it depends. It depends yeah. on your whole context, including how you are computing the compensation of people now in this moment. Nevertheless, there's no reason for not having uh, uh, Liquido in any 
part of the organization. We, ha we have used e Liquid also to manage the governance of specific projects or of specific yeah. teams, not necessarily the governance of the whole thing. It's multi-layered. What I like to say is not decentralized, it is polycentric, it's different. So we have this wave of reaction to centralization because we've been centralized for too long. And so we talk about, now we talk about, we need to decentralize. But if you really think about that, it doesn't mean anything. It means you're taking away the center, but you're not telling me what you're putting instead. So what right. is it, a blob that remains? <laughs> well, what Liquido provides, and there is a lot of research, it's Ostrom's work on the governance of the commons about polycentricity. It is a hot topic today for, for the challenges that, that we're facing. And, and, and Liquido provides different centers at different in different ways. So there are it can be multi-layered. So you can have different governance scopes. In each of the of those are centers of the governance. Plus inside each scope, each work item becomes a center of collaboration between people that then radiates information to the whole system of governance. So I think this is the most important thing. So if you want a, a governance that is not prescriptive and not based on command and control. Liquido might be a good choice in spite of the existing system. The point would be how do we adapt it? How do we use it in our real context? But it is, there is always an answer to that. It, it depends, but there is always an answer. Okay, that's fantastic. So Stelio, when uh, when we're talking back to Web 3.0 and we're thinking about you know the decentralization of various groups, but still wanting to come together, take us through how you see Liquido playing a part as Web 3.0 takes flight and, you know, communities indeed want to build out on those strength of weak tie connections, if you will. Yes. So the way I see it, there is a lot of um, discussion about it, but the way I see it is the first wave of DAOs, of the, the I mean, decentralized organization based on software, basically, um, had mistaken the organization with the software infrastructure meaning that uh, there are things that like trust that that could be they that, that it was i mean they supposed it could be delegated to software which those things are human and and in the governance they start to become important like reputation uh, so reputation uh, uh, in, in many um, blockchain-based system is the alignment between it, it's measured as, as, as a, an alignment between your or a reaction, the, react, react, the final reaction of the team, or other points-driven things, in which actually nobody has been asked how much you contributed to something. The second wave, or the current wave, you can say there are two or three, but the current wave of Web3, I hear a lot of young people involved in that, speaking about community, first and foremost, mm -hmm. not technology. And that's a huge change. It seems like it's the same thing because we're still talking blockchain, we're still talking decentralized organization, but it's actually completely a different thing that is happening today. So what I hear now is that we have the technology, we need the technology to come together in a different way. So that brings the conversation into a socio-technical realm in which, of course, there is the technology, but you also consider the human dynamics and what matters is the relationship between the two. Now, Liquido there can play a big role because Liquido has been designed to actually activate the right interaction between people, to have people have good conversations, conversations that matter for the collective sense-making and then the decision-making that the governance needs to do. So I think that is the key. Uh, Liquido is, uh, 
similar. Actually, we have also some roots in common from 2010, 2012, to some of the systems that have been devised for Web3 in terms of governance. So we have something, some ancestors in common, but Liquido has been devised having, uh, really thinking about the human needs, thinking about how to actually enhance the relationship between human and have the brains jammed together for understanding and devising uh, uh, the reality in the governance. And so this is why I think Liquido is a good framework for, for what is needed today. It sort of also um, reminds me a little bit of Conway's law, right? Where generally speaking, any organization that designs a system will basically get the communication structure that's already in place. And so are we saying in this case there, Stelio, that Web3 is a way in which to build community and therefore actually, you know, Liquido is this possibility to suggest that actually that will be a system that allows community and communication uh, to be far better, greater and transparent? Yes, I think this is what I'm saying. I, I agree. I was reflecting about all the words. You put a lot of concepts in one sentence. I don't know how Sorry. you did that. But I know, I think I agree on all of them. And I also think that they need to be together. Like transparency needs to be, yeah, it, they need to be together. And uh, speaking of the Conway's law, I, 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 of course, I hear a lot about that. I think it's deeper. So I think that uh, uh, I, would, I would actually mention Marshall McLuhan. I think that the things that we devise actually extend who we are in the world. Like he calls them media, but it's actually technology as a media. So Marshall McLuhan used to talk about the car or the light bulb as media. And so basically uh, they result from our worldview, all of that both our communication structures and how we structure our companies, but also how we live our families and everything else in between results from our understanding of the world. Now, what is happening now, and I'm so glad about that, our ethos, our zeitgeist, and the, the dominant worldview is shifting. It is now based much more on an understanding of interbeing, interdependency, and, uh, and the fact that boundaries between you and me, between my company and your company, between China and the United States are actually just a means of conversation. They don't exist in the real world. There are so many ways why I, am, I don't even know where my body ends. I have billions, trillions of bacteria digesting and regulating my mood. So what is me? Mm -hmm. This understanding is becoming the main ethos. And it, it also goes to the boundary between, you know, work and, and, and private life. All these boundaries. We have been living in a dream of a reductionist dream of a divided and controllable world. That's not the case. Now that this ethos, this understanding, of how life is is changing and it can it goes into permaculture our understanding of the mycelium uh, under the floor uh, the understanding of how you should manage a company uh, how the education system should evolve the whole thing the whole thing is changing because of that and so of course i expect that our communication structure and how we uh, how we put up systems including our own organizations these things will keep being harmonic to each other, but they will change all of them at the same time. And I think Liquido was a bit of an anticipation of that a decade before this went full-blown mainstream, just that. Well, it also suggests potentially that, you know, we're finally shifting from, uh, you know, an, an egocentric thinking to an uh, ecocentric thinking, i.e., 
eco being the community of each other and the natural systems in which that we all uh, need to abide by, given we have one planet, one life, you know, one system in essence that we're all working within. So that that dawned on me as well. It's kind of like some mashup. Well, first of all, a man after my heart mentioning McLuhan, where the where the medium is the message. You know, it's kind of we can tip our hat a little bit to John Husband's wirearchy, where you know, in that suggestion of where community based networks is how the pathos of each of us will actually thrive. I think what Liquid O is doing is taking that to a whole other level, at least my interpretation. Fair? Yeah, well, I don't know if it's a whole another level, but it's part of that change. That's for mm. sure. It's a, It can be a structural part of that change also because it's not prescriptive. So it, it, it needs you to take those four pillars and look at your context and say, what is my context saying? There is not an off-the-shelf model you can apply. It's like a lot of people still try to send that. Liquido is not that. Liquido will give you principles and some hints and then will tell you, okay, you now need to look at these things in your system to understand what's the best way for you that is going to be unique. And by the way, John is a friend and we've been discussing, uh, I think it was right before the COVID and there's so many touch points, not only in uh, the way things can work, which, yeah, we also have a lot of touch point there, but in the way the world uh, is, is is changing in, in for the better, I think, in that respect. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. I, I have one last question for you, and then let's find out more information about where we can find out more about you. And Stelio, um, I noticed that, um, I guess, Cocoon Pro, and I think maybe Liquido, I'm not sure how it's working, but you have created something called the Ohana Meetup. So, yes. I mean, being a frequent visitor to Maui and the Hawaiian Islands, first of all, <laughs> I love the word Ohana. Uh, I think Mark Benioff of Salesforce loves it as well. Tell me what the Ohana meetup is and why you chose the word Ohana. I think uh, that's a good point attached to Liquido. So uh, the Ohana meetup was born because uh, at some point we needed to focus our governance meetings in which normally a lot of people were coming in. And this is a, this is a, what we call the jam. It's a retreat we do yeah. in the Cocoon governance twice per year. And so we said, okay, we will have more focused people that know what we're talking about in those two meetings, but we don't want to miss all that curious people that was coming in until last year. So we, we said, let's create a third thing, a different thing that is not about Cocoon, but it's actually about what's going on. What, you are, what, what are you up to? If we share this understanding of what the world is doing and how we can help improve it, let's meet. And so the Honor Meetup was born. 2018 was the first edition. Um, it's on www.ohanameetup.party. And the next uh, is going to be in March. You will find the videos of the meetings. It's a, it's a blast. I mean, I it's, it's my favorite event in the year, but not because we, we launched it, but because of the conversation, the people, the vibe. It's, it's nurturing for the mind and for the heart. This is why I love it. And uh, Ohana is a word we have chosen because uh, because we believe that is what we are, basically. So uh, I will cut it short on my history from Sicily to, to Hawaii. There's a lot to say about that. But what matters is that uh, Ohana, Ohana doesn't just mean family, which is the normal translation to that. It means family in a way that goes beyond space and time. So it is about our relationships and responsibility for the people for, for the kinship that we have across the globe and coming from previous and going into next generation. So it's really about being together as a family, 
not just tied by blood or direct blood, because at the end of the day, we are also tied by blood of the whole mankind, which was long ago. So we walk in that circle with our ancestors and thinking about who's coming after and say, what happens if we truly get together, if we truly drop the, the boundaries and the divisions and the egos, uh, uh, and we bring those in as diversity, as uh, richness, and what happens in that conversation? Well, it sounds like the very definition of community, my friend, and uh, that sounds great. I might have to get myself over there to, to visit the next one. Listen, where can we uh, find out more about you, Stelio, and all the great work that you're doing? Thank you for that. So I think the easiest is LinkedIn at the moment. There's also an about.me slash Stelio Verzera. And of course, uh, www.cocoon-pro.com. This is uh, where we start with the work of this strange thing that Cocoon is. It's not strange at all. I think, as always, Stelio, you've been ahead of your time, and there are many beneficiaries with your thinking and your work and the group itself. So thank you for this. Thank you for all you're doing. Folks, that's uh, another episode of Leadership Now with me, Dan Pontfrag, today in the studio, the one and only Stelio Versera. Thank you, Dan.